been listening to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast and have been wondering how you could start your own to support your business, then stay put. We are celebrating International Podcast Day right here with podcaster Kane Barron, who also runs the UK's largest podcast agency, Progressive Media. Kane joins me to give expert advice on how to get set up and create content, as well as how podcasts can be monetized. So let's get the celebration started. Kane Barron, it's great to welcome you to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, especially as we'll be celebrating International Podcast Day in just three days' time on the 30th of September. So who better, really, to be chatting to than you? Well, thank you very much. It's quite a statement to make, but I appreciate it. What are some of your favourite podcasts? Uh, okay, so my favourite podcast is called My First Million for anybody interested in entrepreneurship business very unique take so i always try and find creators who are unique in their either the delivery of their content or, or if it's an interview show the way they interview so these two guys sam and sean very very direct when interviewing people so now they've sort of got to a, a certain size when you get to that level you kind of find that that people get the same guests right so once you get and you everybody wants a big name guest titans of industry so they, those people tend to do the rounds always go to this show because they just ask the questions that you really want to know so if they're speaking to a founder they would just ask you know how much do you have in your bank how much did you sell your company for like all this stuff that us as consumers that you you want to know so that's quite interesting and then probably my second favorite is one that I actually heard about from My First Million. It's called How to Take Over the World, which is a history podcast. A guy called Ben does sort of, normally they're in two parts, but each episode is like two hours long, real deep dive as a biography about somebody, whether it's, you know, Steve Jobs or Napoleon. It's all about the lessons that you can learn from people going back hundreds of years that, you know, repeating some of those same mistakes or hopefully making some of the good decisions that they did. So those are the top two. Nice. Yours seem quite um, more serious than mine. Obviously, other than the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, I'm like a, my dad wrote a porno sort of girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, they're both, uh, I think that's what I like about them is they're both very, very lighthearted. So my first million will make you laugh as much as you learn something, which is something that I try and replicate in my own. I feel like people learn a lot better if, you know, it's entertaining. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I don't listen to many just like straight comedy podcasts. I think it is that is if you can learn something and be entertained at the same time. So we call it edutainment content. It's ideal. I have always associated podcasts with learning. So like when I was going through school, I'm really dyslexic. So I used to listen to things rather than read them just because, you know, anybody who's dyslexic will know that you read a page, you're like, none of that went in, let me do it again. And then you do it again. And then you're like, okay, finally, I've actually consumed something. And it just takes so long. So from age of 16, I've listened to them as a vehicle to learn things. So I think I've probably just never shaken that. But now if it's one that's, you know, purely just information, it can get quite tedious. So if you can laugh at the same time, have interesting conversations. I quite like shows with co-hosts as well. Um, so this is something that mine the podcast is podcast my co-host now ash wasn't there from the beginning he was he'll know but maybe like the 50th episode 60th episode 
he joined and since then our ratings and reviews and things have gone up because i think when you have the same person consistently you get much better rapport with them and your listeners can hear that whereas if you're just meeting somebody for the first time or maybe you've met them a couple of times as a guest you're never going to have the same level of rapport or banter as you're going to have with somebody you know really really well and spend a ton of time with so um yeah i always look for co-hosts if possible but educational where i can laugh at the same time why are podcasts so popular, do you think? So uh, I think it's just more of a, a time equation. So first of all, I refer to um, scroll time, right? When looking at your social media. So Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all these things, they require eyes, ears and hands to engage with with your phone. And then really, there's not much time in the day that you can do that. Maybe tops three hours, most people one hour. Because by the time you finish work and you've got all of your other responsibilities in the evening, it's quite hard to actually just sit there and do that thing. Whereas with a podcast, it's completely idle. So it's, you only need your ears, although yes, fine, there's video versions, but you can always listen to an audio version. So if you're driving in the gym, running, you know, I do mine anytime I'm working and it doesn't require talking to another human. So if it's emails, I'm building templates for um, PowerPoint and things like this. I'm listening to podcasts the whole time. So I probably listen to them, that or an audiobook, two to four hours a day. So that I think they just get really popular because people are able to consume them when they're not consuming anything else. So it doesn't compete with any platform. You know, TikTok comes out and everyone said, oh, you know, it's, it's the YouTube killer. Everyone's going short form. Or, you know, oh, it's destroyed, you know, Instagram destroyed Facebook or, or whatever it may be. Or threads might destroy Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it now. But that's never been said about podcasting because it's a different medium entirely. Very similar to how they didn't say, you know, YouTube or TikTok is going to destroy TV because people still watch TV, right? They're just a very, very different format. So I'd probably say that's why it's just because it's in a category of its own. And the amount of time people can consume content is really, you know, a lot more than than other channels. What role does the podcast play in somebody's business? I think it's a crucial part for most people. If now, listen, if you're, um, I don't know, a direct consumer product brand and you're selling like sweets or something, then probably not. But most businesses that I speak to, especially when it's educational, so course creators, mentors, um, consultants, or anything that's just a bit more complex, you know, or a service rather than an individual product. I think podcasting is really powerful. I think organic content is necessary in any business. Ads are great, but anyone who spent money on ads before that iOS update and then after would have seen that their price per lead tripled almost overnight because Apple said, nope, we're making this change so Meta can't track you as much anymore. You know, on the surface, as a consumer, it's a good thing. Good. I don't want Mark Zuckerberg out of my data. No, you can't track me. But if you're the one putting the thousands of pounds into that ad, you're thinking, crap, like, <laughs> where have all of my leads gone? Organic can't be just social media, right? So I, I know people who work with people that got a million followers on Instagram, but as their following grows, the percentage of their audience that sees their content gets smaller and smaller and smaller because the platform doesn't just want to show your content to everyone. So what's the point of having all these followers if, you know, a thousand, 10,000 people are seeing it. But if you've got a podcast, every single one of your listeners and your followers is going to listen to it. Or they won't, but that'll be a choice. 
you know, if they don't want to listen to that, that's different. But if Instagram's not putting it in front of people, then you're automatically limited. Because when you hit follow on a show, for example, you get a notification in your lock, on your lock screen, on your notification panel. It will auto-download on some apps. So, you know, you're constantly getting in front of the audience that you want. So if you're trying to get in front of a potential client. So I've always been very open. The reason I've got the podcast as podcast is to attract people to our podcast agency. Right. And that's that's the main purpose of it is the funnel. And that is a lot more cost effective than pumping tens of thousands of pounds, if not more, into ads. The other thing is is credibility. There's less competition on podcasts compared to social media. So if somebody sees an Instagram post, Facebook post, LinkedIn, they'll probably disregard it. Maybe if they keep seeing you pop up and you keep saying interesting things, fine. But there's so many other people in your space. That's hard work. But chances are, if you've got a niche, you might be the only one or one of very few podcasters doing that thing. You also have a longer time to explain the value in what you bring rather than having to catch somebody's attention within a second for them to watch the rest of your reel. And then you can borrow the credibility of guests. If you are seen to be associated with somebody who is well-respected and well-trusted, people will associate that same credibility that they have for them with you. Because in our brains, we'll be thinking, oh, well, if such and such is worth their time, then, okay, I guess they're worth my time as well. So for those main reasons, I think it's a really, really powerful tool to get organic leads and build your authority if you own a business. It's going to be like an extension of our brand, isn't it? So how do we get our brand into the content or the way the podcast actually looks or is produced? Okay, so... I'm a believer that everything you should do or everything that you do online is built to perform on that platform, i.e. if I'm uploading something to TikTok, it has to fit the criteria for something to work on their you know, good hook, get people to comment, all of these things to make it work. And then same thing with your branding. Your podcast artwork, your podcast name doesn't need to be the same as your business. It just needs to work as a podcast itself. So for the title of a show, the name of a podcast, I always say two to four words does what it says on the tin, right? So our company is Progressive Media, but it's called The Podcasters Podcast because if it was just called Progressive Media, if somebody saw that, they'd be like, that means nothing. Same with our artwork. Isn't although we're using this our same color scheme, that's pretty much the only overlap in um, branding. It is we're using the same color scheme and the same font to have some sort of cohesive nature going through. But the artwork isn't just our logo because then that doesn't really mean anything either. So good artwork should be bold writing, very easy to read on a small screen. Pretty much the whole artwork should really probably be your face and the name of the show. It doesn't need anything else. So really the short answer to your question is fine colors, fonts, your brand guidelines should be coherent. The name, what it looks like, everything else doesn't need to be. And the, the biggest thing is just how you come across. So I'm a big advocate that, you know, if you are doing a podcast and in real life, you know, you swear or perhaps you've got um, quite a, a thick accent or, or whatever it is, then don't change that on your podcast because you need to come across as you do when somebody buys something from you. Because if I was, um, and I, I did this, when we started the podcast, very buttoned up, very professional, tried to sort of almost act older. But then as soon as somebody jumps on a Zoom with you and they become a client, that's a completely different person to who they saw at the top of your funnel. So then there's a disconnect. But if I'm the same and I appear the same as who I truly am everywhere online, 
then you're going to attract the right people. And then there's going to be a lot more synergy when they become a client rather than, oh, okay, you're not quite who I thought you was. You know, I don't like that very much. Uh, So what's your advice to listeners who really want to start a podcast, but just have no idea how to get started? Follow me. Um, Right. So so, um, I, I have a philosophy that I, if somebody asks me a question, I will never hold back the answer because I think most people will take won't take your advice and they won't do anything. And there'll be a lot of people who um they might do it, but a lot of the time they'll be like, oh, I can I just pay you for you to help me. So genuinely, if you want to get started, listen to the podcast podcast because there's a lot there. But really, if I have to think of step zero, you've got to think about your idea. So what do you want to talk about and what is the purpose? I highly recommend most people attach it to something that they offer or could offer. So related to your business, it's got to be something that you want to talk about because it's not get rich quick. It's not overnight success. It does take effort and grind. So something that you genuinely enjoy talking about. And hopefully that is the thing that, you know, you sell in life because, you know, if your business is making you miserable, then maybe you should change everything altogether. So, for example, our business is production marketing agency for podcasts. I did a podcast about podcasting, and you then have to sort of combine two niches if possible. So I talk about organic promotion and marketing, specifically podcasting. So I've sort of niched down even more. And then a lot of what I talk about is how do businesses get more leads through the power of podcasting? So then your avatar is very, very, very specific and completely for most people i'd imagine if you do that exercise there's probably nobody else doing it so you're now in a competition of just you that's really the first step is what do i want to talk about how can i niche that down a bit more or what else in my life kind of gives it a unique perspective so i was speaking to somebody yesterday and she has a pr agency the reason she thinks she's been incredibly successful in life is customer service. Number one priority on everything she does, everything for clients, everything for her clients' clients is customer service. She's like, great. So those are the things that you need to combine. It's like, fine, you've got a PR agency, but a lot of the content needs to be about customer service and how that relates to PR agencies earning more money, converting better, having clients for longer. And that is sort of your speciality. That would be the first step I'd recommend for everybody. And then once you sort of know what you want to talk about in your lane, then, you know, go do some research on things like equipment, naming the podcast, getting set up. And that's what I cover on my podcast. Is podcasting expensive? Like, are we going to have to pump lots of money into this new thing that we're adding to our business? I don't think so. So right now I'm doing this. So I've got a a MacBook, which I already had. I've got an iPhone, which I already have. This is how I'm speaking to you right now with my webcam. And this is a microphone that costs about £50. We've had it for a few years. It's on a stand that costs about £30, right? And and a couple of cables. And as long as you don't break them, they'll last forever, near enough, you know, because audio quality doesn't age as fast as video. It wasn't that many years ago that all the new, like, plasmas and flat screens were 720p, and then it was 1080, and now we're at 4K. And now, you know, you go into PC World and Curry's, it's 8K, and they're really expensive. But it increases or sorry, it becomes outdated in terms of visuals every two or three years. Audio is the same. So you don't need to be changing your equipment all the time. And a lot of the equipment you have, you can do it, you know, like I said, phone, I wouldn't use my microphone on my mobile, but the camera is brilliant. Got this mic. So not really 
Hosting sites cost you a few quid a month. There are free versions. It depends how big your show is on whether or not you need to pay for it. And then after that point, it's optional, right? If you want to spend money on PR, on a production agency, on marketing, then great. And I think treat your podcast as a business. So it's money in versus money out. It's a business decision like you would on ads, like you would on newsletters or email sends. Treat it as a business. But does it need to cost you money? Absolutely not. Does mine cost me much money? No, not at all. That's why I lean on that rather than any other form of marketing. You've mentioned there about the mics and your kind of camera, your webcam. What other setup do you advise that we have? Is it going to be all right to kind of do it in the living room or the kitchen? Or should we have a specific setup? I've had uh, a client record whilst jogging. Don't do that. I've had somebody do it on the beach. Please don't do that. <laughs> somebody that had a really good guest, they interviewed somebody um, whilst in the hairdressers, you know, blow dry everything. Don't do that. Uh, a building site. Please don't do that. Things with like kitchens, you've got lots of glass and tiles, hard surfaces. Don't do that. But when I'm at home, right, I'm currently in our office, when I'm at home, I've got a box room, which are a bit echoey normally. So I put, uh, it's carpeted, but I put an extra rug down that's thick, some thick curtains, that's fine. And then if you're using your mic properly, then amazing. Uh, and then one thing that I did more for aesthetics, but it does help with the sound, is you can buy acoustic wood paneling for, you know, a couple of hundred pounds. It just makes, it was just a plain white wall behind me. It's now painted black and this acoustic panel, right? So that I should probably come off a little bit better than most people because it's what I do for a living. The paint and the acoustic paneling wasn't necessary as long as it's sort of plain and neat, tidy, it's fine. But like I said, some curtains, some rugs. I even know some people have just hung towels up sort of to cover some of the walls just whilst they record. You can't see it, but behind my camera now, it's actually a bit messy if I'm being honest, but you can't see it. But I could cover that with whatever I want to sort of dampen the sound. You really don't need much at all. I think less is more. People do get hung up on it quite a lot, and then that stops them from starting. And that is infinitely worse than starting and then just making these small changes as and when you go. I would probably be horrified if I went back and listened to my first episode. Almost definitely. It happens to everyone, so don't feel like you've got to nail it to start with. Regarding the content, how can we best understand what the market wants, as well as knowing where our niches lie? So... You will know where your niche is based on your experience, based on your expertise. Now, in terms of what people want, I go straight to Facebook groups. So I'm terrible at recording in the morning. So the other day I had to record in the morning because my videographer was going on holiday for a few weeks and then I was going away. So for us to get some content, I had to record. I'm not very good. Uh, so I spend minutes planning my episodes because it's me and a co-host. It's mostly straight off of the top. You know, we'll see a question from a client. We'll go, oh, we haven't spoken about that before. Let's just back and forth. That's how I do all of my content. So I wasn't sure what to cover. My brain wasn't working. It was nice and early. I hadn't had my coffee. So I went straight to Facebook, typed in podcast support groups, come up with a bunch of different Facebook groups, did a quick swipe through all of them. I didn't even read it. And I just saw what word appeared most regularly. And it was video. People kept asking questions about setting up a video podcast. So that was it. We then hit record and myself and Ash did 20 minutes off the top about how you start a good virtual video podcast using Zoom. And then we do another one on how to do a video podcast in person. Two episodes from 10 seconds of scrolling, because if somebody's already asking a question, they've already got a problem and pain point and you know the answer, 
then you can create the content and then you can go back to them and go, oh, by the way, I saw your question. I did the episode. Here's the link. I hope you enjoy it. And if they're thinking that question, they're asking that question on a group of 20,000 people and there'll be hundreds, if not thousands of people who have the same question. So your content is sorted. Your sort of content market fit, as I like to call it, is like whether or not people actually want that stuff sorted. Save me a bunch of time and headache trying to plan the episode. And my promotion is now sorted because I can just send it back to the people who asked the question. This next question could be awkward. Okay. I'll tell you why. <laughs> so if I'm interviewing someone like a speech language therapist, I always find like my speaking voice gets a little bit posher. I'm trying to be very well spoken. I'm trying to make sure my voice doesn't go into fry because I... I know that their job is to listen to the spoken voice. Now your job is in podcasting and how to run a successful podcast. And here I am talking to you about that on a podcast. So I guess it depends where your answer goes, but what I'd like to ask is what makes a good interview? Like how do we set up a rapport with someone we haven't yet met? How can we make some discussion points? I know you just mentioned there about going kind of off the cuff is how you like to do it. But how do we make the interviewee feel good about spending some time with us? That's a really good question, actually. So there's there's a few things. I'm not a fan when somebody does a entire biography of their guest at the beginning of the episode with the guest sat there, because most people feel quite awkward. Like so, you you do hear this a lot where somebody will go, you start the show. And go, I'm joined by X. They'll read off sort of their CV from LinkedIn for a minute whilst the person's just sat there. And then they'll just go, what's your life story? And then just sort of hot potato, chuck it straight over to the person. And people do this all the time. And one, it's kind of silly asking them that question if you've just read off all of their CV, essentially. But also, it's kind of just a bit weird yeah. like, for the guest to sit there and do that. And I did see it recently where they kept getting the guests they did that the wrong way around they, they did the intro and they kept getting the name the guest's name wrong and they kept asking them like correcting them sorry which isn't ideal because then the rest of the interview the rapport was ruined because it's like oh i'm i can't remember who it was but you know i'm here with such and such and they're like oh that's that's not my name this is my name and then they did it wrong and then they did it wrong again and three times you're, you're out of luck so i prefer you to finish the episode and then you do an introduction about the episode at the end, because then you can say, instead of saying, oh, I'm with such and such, they've done this, they've done that, they've done this, because that will come out in the interview anyway. You can talk about the specific things you've covered and you can tease what's coming out, you know, th- what you learn in that episode. And I always try and keep something that happened at the end, because then that keeps your listener on longer. Because if you've teased something that happens 30 minutes in, you know, rather than the first few seconds, that's quite helpful. The other thing is making it super easy for them. You was incredibly organized, got the link way ahead in time. Everything you needed from me, really far in advance, amazing. A lot of people don't do that. It's all very last minute. They make it really difficult for people to get on. And then if they're not much of a um, techie, they're a bit of a technophobe and they've been faffing around with stuff and things aren't working and they're much later on than they thought there's going to be, then it just puts them in a bit of a bad mood. So being really prepared and making their life as easy as possible. And then I think one of the best ways to get some really good content out of people is the power of silence. Most people have fairly pre-made answers to things. And although like, I don't know the questions you're going to ask, I have witnessed this a lot at networking events. 
if you just observe other people at networking events, people come over like, oh, what do you do? Or, who are you? And people say, oh, this is me. This is what I do. This is who I'm here to help. And they sort of just said the same thing to 20 people. But if you just sort of looked at them blankly and didn't say anything, and well, not necessarily blankly, but, you know, tilt your head and on, like, oh, okay, you know, interested, but not say anything. They feel the need to fill the void with more words. And as a podcaster, that is often where you get the best information out of the person, especially if it's more of a personal story that they're sharing, because they don't like the silence or the awkwardness. So they're not used to it. They're like, crap, scramble. And I just say whatever. And their mouth is moving quicker than their brain. And they often say things that they, not that they didn't want to say, because then they would soon say, oh, can you edit that out? That doesn't happen often. But definitely stuff that they might not have willingly said on a prepped answer. And that's where a lot of really, really good content lies. So I'd say those three things. I'm now giving you a bit of silence and tilting my head and (laughs) (laughs) nodding. (laughs) Yeah, it's very easy to get into your own head about these things. Yeah, but as, as a Brit, I feel like the awkwardness is just in DNA. <laughs> so oh, it's for like, sure. Fill, fill the gaps, fill the gaps. But there is power in silence for sure. I'm definitely getting this um, kind of, I suppose, sadistic thrill out of it. So now <laughs> I'm very aware of it. Right? <laughs> and it, I've seen it, it works really well. I kind of challenge myself to just go, how long can I just sit in this silence? Like, How long will they go before they just fill it? So it's become a bit of a game for me. <laughs> Well, yeah, I like it. I I, I see you've got the power there. Sure, it works. I've seen podcasts that are like four hours long and some are like 10 minutes. What's a good length to be aiming for? Length definitely doesn't matter in this instance. I've heard that before. (laughs) Yeah, I promise. Um, With podcasting anyway. So it's kind of as long as it needs to be which is a really that people hate it when i give them that answer so like no no just tell me and i'll do the thing so analytics plays a key role to start with you don't really know the answer so you kind of have to do what you want to do what makes it fun for you and then you can adjust so for example joe rogan three four times a week three hours long who's got the time Neil Patel, who's got marketing school, does a daily two-minute podcast or a couple of minutes. So look, I started with 45 minutes. I realized that's too long. Mine are about 15 minutes unless it's a guest. Now the, then that one would be longer. So rule of thumb is if you're doing an interview, 30 to 60 minutes, solo content, 10 to 15 minutes. But I would definitely challenge yourself if you're new and you're doing interviews to see how close to 30 minutes you can do purely because if you can do that and you can ask all the things you really want that are really actually necessary for your audience and you cut out some of the ones you think "Mm, actually that's not particularly good that's going to be much better content because it's almost like every single question you ask has a really impactful response or is key to where the, the conversation goes next you don't also have to upload the whole thing. You can edit parts of it out if you want to. It's something that people neglect. So I spoke to somebody on um, Stephen Bartlett's team from Dyer CEO. He said there's plenty of guests that they make look very, very good. But in reality, they are horrendous speakers. They are filled with incredibly long pauses, ums, buts, you know, all these filler words. You, you, you don't have to upload that stuff. So I would definitely challenge to become shorter 
with most people who are building their brand and are not already famous, shorter. People will stay longer for people they really, really like. Most of us don't have thousands of people who really, really, really like us. You don't need that. You don't need like an enormous audience. When you look at your analytics, you might see 50% or sorry, 80% of your audience is gone by halfway through. And if you're an hour long, then you might as well be 30, 40 minutes because no one's listening to the end of it anyway. It's wasting everybody's time. And you could have had some really good content that's at the end of that episode. So then just cut out anything you think, mm, that was a bit shit. On the flip side, if you're having a conversation with someone, it's really good fun. You're getting a good back and forth. They're giving you the answers that you want and it's, it's good value information. Then let it be longer. You know, so it kind of is as long as it needs to be. I'll, I'll tell you why I changed. It's a bit of a growth hack, really. So in a 45-minute, 50-minute episode I was doing, I was covering lots of things surface level. For example, there's 17 ways I've been able to monetize a podcast. Now, I could do an episode essentially listing 17 ways, okay? But if I do one episode, let's call it one of the ways sponsorship. If I then do an episode on what's the difference between ads versus sponsorship? Should I join an ad network? How do I find my first sponsor? How much should I ask for my first sponsor? Now, how to maximize returns from sponsorship deals. So instead of having one episode in 17 ways and you kind of just do a list, if I'm really, really specific, I can get six or seven episodes that are all 10 or 15 minutes long about just one of the 17 ways and I can do it about all 17. One, that's less stress because it means instantly I've got way more content to talk about, but you actually become more searchable because for every episode you do, and this goes for things like YouTube and blogs as well, you can only have one title and one description, show notes, whatever YouTube's description, show notes on podcasts. And that's what the platform searches to match your content with the questions people are asking on their platform. So when your content's really, really broad and it's just 17 ways to monetize a podcast, nobody's searching that. But somebody would search, what's the difference between an ad and a sponsor? People would search, how do I secure a sponsorship for my podcast? People do search um, how to find my first sponsor. So immediately you've got more opportunities to show up in front of people. So that is why I made the change. It's also much nicer for me because I now do, I film once every other week for an hour. I record four episodes. So that's two weeks worth of content for me because I upload twice a week. And then that is enough to take all the clips from that to upload to my social media daily. So I upload to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok daily. And all of that content are clips from the podcast. So I record once every fortnight and I'm good for two weeks on all platforms. It works for me. But if you're doing interviews, might need to be a bit longer. And speaking of analytics, like how do we know if our podcast is doing well? Is there a particular number that's considered good and one that's considered bad? It's a great question. So you have to change your frame of mind on what is good because it's completely subjective. I like to see it and it's not an exact number, but what is the likely percentage of this group of people that are listening to my podcast? I'll give you an example. We look after a health and safety podcast called the Interesting Health and Safety Podcast. Gets a few thousand downloads a month, but makes a ton of money, a fortune. You'd be surprised through things like communities, selling software, leads into their health and safety businesses, opening connections, building credibility, speaking engagements. So there's all these different opportunities happening. A few thousand people that are generating this amount of cash for an individual, is that's the end goal. But when you compare that to uh, like a comedy podcast, 
Well, who wants to laugh? Well, everybody. That's 8 billion people. So if you've got a million people listening to your podcast, great, that's a big number. Very, very small percentage. If you've got a few thousand health and safety consultants in the UK and surrounding areas, well, that's probably almost everybody. So as a percentage, he owns, so similar to business, you talk about market cap and how much does of that market does one company own or dominate? That's how I like to see my podcast. So you might have a few hundred, you might have a few thousand, a few tens of thousands on some very niche content talking to a very specific audience. I like to, like, there's no fixed number, but roughly in your head, you can think, okay, well, there's this many singing teachers, right? What percentage of those in the UK listen to this podcast? That's the real number. The second thing is consumption. So the same things I mentioned before is go and look at your consumption data. If people are tailing off very, very early on in your content, something's wrong. It's either not very good content or it's too long or you need to implement something that just improves the flow, which keeps people engaged. I've got pound signs in my eyes now. So I really want to know if you're a small business, is a podcast going to kind of bring you in some dollar? Okay. So I had no social media when I launched my podcast. Podcast was the first online thing I did. And the main reason for that is, like I said earlier, I'm dyslexic. Things like copy and blogs and Facebook posts and LinkedIn posts, no chance. I'd come off I'd look like an idiot. But I could explain things verbally. The day I launched my podcast, we had 114 listeners. Crazy, big, big numbers. Seven days later, I got my first client, which was £10,000. And that, and you know, I'm not even in the top 10 case studies of people I've worked with, right? A lot of my clients do better than that, but it can completely depend on what your niche is, how competitive it is and what you offer. If you're offering something fairly high ticket, you only need one person. And the way I like to see it is, let's say you've got a hundred people, right? A hundred people listen to your podcast. You might think, oh, well, that's shit. Cause you know, you compare it to TikTok or YouTube where you need millions for it to be worth anything. But if you're talking about a really specific topic for an hour every week, just imagine if you were in a room with a hundred people looking and staring at you, waiting, like hanging on every word for you to talk about something like health and safety, right? One, most people would actually shit their pants if they had to talk in front of a hundred people, right? Most people don't like that, but that would be an incredibly rewarding feeling having those people show up every single week saying, can't wait for this. And if you've got something to offer them that they're in the market for, why would they go onto Google and go find somebody random if they're already showing up, loving you, listening to yourself every single week? Of course, they would just go to you. So like I said, if you've got something high ticket, something valuable, product, course, service that you can offer, you only need one to make a substantial amount of money. Bear in mind, you know, most people we work with, their equipment, their setup for their podcasts, 200 quid or less, depends on what their needs. You were mentioning earlier about monetizing and how many ways there are to do that. For the likes of us, for the likes of singing teachers who do have a, a small business, how can we monetize our podcast to help us kind of just, you know, feel like our bank accounts are going up a bit? Of course. So there's a, a few ways that will apply to most people because different niches, different topics, they'll have various ways to, to monetize that might not apply to other people. But for example, every podcast can go onto YouTube and get ad revenue that way. Most people where you'll make the bulk of your money is selling your own products and services. And it's really important people track that correctly because there's been a lot of cases where somebody's on the brink of giving up their podcast 
until they've looked through their books properly in their business, polled their clients to find out where they've come from. They've gone, oh crap, I'm never stopping this, right? So it, that's, if you are offering your own products, so on my podcast, I don't say like, go to this link, go buy this, go do that. I reference it in conversation. It's very, very subtle because I don't want it to be really pitchy or, or promote it. I want it to be standalone, just valuable content. And then if people are in the market for that, they would have heard me say it and they'll just come and message me. That's not, I normally get an email. So selling your own products and services, communities are something really powerful. So if you can have something like a Patreon or a paid Facebook or WhatsApp group, similar to what Colin was doing with interesting health and safety, having a community that's paid for, for health and safety consultants, for them to network, get business from each other, learn and educate each other. That's something that every podcaster can do. So when I was speaking, I did an episode with a lady from Patreon who works there and she said, the thing that converts the best podcasts. So on Patreon, for those that don't know, it's a platform where people can pay for some sort of premium or bonus content. Podcasts are the number one performing creator on Patreon by a long shot. And bonus podcast episodes are what converts the best. So if you can do a bonus podcast episode a week, other various downloadable you know, courses, PDFs, eBooks, a community where these people can all share their knowledge, experience, have a community of other like-minded people. Maybe you do some ask me anythings for 10, 15, 20 pounds a month. Suddenly you start getting this recurring income coming in. And again, it's not overnight, but it has huge potential because it's infinitely scalable. So right now you and I are recording this podcast. It's on Zoom. So Fine, you had to block out a time, but you didn't have to travel anywhere. And this is pre-recorded. So let's say this went on a membership site. It wouldn't matter if you had 10 people or 10,000 people listen to it. Your delivery is the same, but the income you make is considerably higher. So there's a lot of value in building some sort of community. And if you can get it self-sufficient enough, because a lot of work up front to get the conversation going, get people comfortable and, and engaged. But it will get to the point where somebody might ask a question and another paying member will answer them. And you didn't even see the question. You're completely hands off. You might go in there a few times a week, but it's self-fulfilling and people get value from it even when you're not active. Sponsors, really powerful. Don't let it conflict with something you offer. So I have a production agency, but I might get, say, a podcasting hosting site to sponsor or a microphone. The key here is the more specific your audience is, the more you can make. But who out there has a product or service that would benefit the largest percentage of that audience. So again, with mine, 100% of my listeners are podcasters. 100% of podcasters has to have a hosting site, right? You can't have a podcast without them. Same as like a microphone. So if I approach one of these companies and said, oh, by the way, I've got this niche group of people that all need your product or service. Here you go, sponsor. And if they don't go for sponsors, that brings me on to number five, affiliates. Become an affiliate for somebody. I think repurposing is important. Now, I, I touched on it when it comes to my content. I record every other week for an hour. That's four podcast episodes. And that is daily posts on all social media. So if people think, oh, okay, I want to do organic content, chances are podcasting is the easiest one. People always think podcasting is really technical. I'm a technophobe. I can't do that. This is easier than most social media. It's easier than YouTube because it's just a Zoom we're all used to since lockdown. And we've got a microphone. We can record this. This can be clipped. This can, the whole thing could go on YouTube if you wanted to. You could put it into some sort of AI software to turn it into a blog or get a, a cheap writer. It can also be clipped for 
LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok posts. So I took to, to prove how this could work for anybody. Footage that was six months old from the podcast podcast. I created brand new accounts on every channel, chopped it up, posted it daily. So I put the same clip with the same caption on every channel. So at 1 p.m., it went the same clip went on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, everywhere. And within the first 30 days, we'd done sort of 250, 300,000 views across all those platforms on a brand new account with no following on old content. So if you're thinking I need to do some sort of organic content or some sort of social media, take from, from me, it's much easier to just have a normal free-flowing conversation, you know, have a podcast, because this is much easier than just sitting in front of a camera and trying to be charismatic. That's really awkward and forced. <laughs> And then you just chop it up or get an editor to do that poster everywhere. So that's something that is really, really key to just generally growing someone's brand. It's doing one bit of content every week, every other week, and then that becoming all of your social content or your YouTube and blog content. That's that's some serious time leverage. You've mentioned Progressive Media Podcast Agency. Can you just tell us what you do and what the services are that you offer? Yeah, of course. So it's completely done for you. Essentially, somebody creates content, sends it to us, and then it appears where it needs to be. So that is podcast editing, video editing, clips. If people need YouTube, they need social media, help with their monetization, marketing plans, PR, anything they need. So sort of end-to-end service, depending on what somebody needs. We only work with independent creators. So, you know, big celebrities, big brands, we don't really deal with that. It's very much people who've got a niche that's related to their business. The more quirky or less likely you think might be successful, the better for us, right? That super specific content's kind of our speciality. And then, like I said, end to end, we do all of the production and marketing. For your team who are listening to a, a real eclectic mix of topics, do they ever get one that's like, oh God, I can't listen to another thing about this because I have no interest in, I don't know, gardening or something? Never. To be honest, we kind of get a kickoff like the more niche and specific it is so i think a lot of the time people might think that and be like oh that's really dull really boring but then it's kind of a bit of a laugh for us because it's amazing that they all seem to work the only thing that is kind of almost like a drinking game for us is not existing clients but if we're doing like a, a training course or something and somebody says the words, I want to interview inspiring people, that's an immediate red flag. Because what they normally mean is like their sister or the hairdresser who's had like, you know, something happened in their life and you go, everybody needs to hear about this. Most people have been through those sort of stories or know somebody who has. And unfortunately, unless you're well-known, people don't care. It is, is, the, is the short of it. And they're really, really hard to grow because who do you promote inspiring stories to? Whereas, you know, with gardening, for example, where there will already be groups online and offline that are enthusiasts for that. And they'll probably be, you probably go even more niche than that. So that stuff's even better for us. I freaking hate gardening. So that's not me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be for me. But. I'd really like to know, like, what are your thoughts or fears with AI coming in? even more so than it is now in terms of how podcasts are done, produced, published. AI will never replace somebody. I think it makes people more efficient. It can be a tool, but there still needs to be a human element to it. So let's say, for example, 
AI is flawless. It works entirely. It's exactly how you would want to do it. The only way AI can actually work is collecting information, learning from it, and then something coming out the other side. If every single creator used AI and it was then just learning from other content being put out by AI, it's kind of like when you just mix all the Play-Doh colors together and it just comes out brown mm-hmm. because everyone's would be the same. So then the only persons who would stand out is one that was human made that had maybe some error in it or seemed a bit more raw and real, which is why you can buy a Volkswagen for £20,000 made by a machine. But if you want an Aston Martin that's hand finished, it's going to cost you £200,000 because people will always prefer something that is human made. And AI will make errors as much as humans do. So I'm not worried about it. It's definitely a really valuable tool. And it can definitely help creators get off the ground. But like I said, every, it would just be this sort of mix smash of sameness over time. So to round up then, Kane, if a listener is looking to work with a podcast agency or they're wanting to go solo and set up a podcast, what is your top piece of advice? Make sure it's something people want. Is It's incredibly hard to give that advice. It's incredibly hard for us to properly internalize that advice. But this is why I like really niche podcasts. I know a guy, he had a fly fishing podcast, set up a Patreon, had sponsors, was earning you know six figures a year, sold it, got a big lump sum. He had a non-compete two years ago. The two years passed. He then set up another fly fishing podcast, got it to the same amount of money and was considering selling it again. So that's a real niche hobby, you know, very specific in targeting, made a boatload of cash, sold it, managed to do the exact same thing again. So there was people that was listening to the, the old one that he sold and the new one, right? So there's plenty of room for everyone, but people want it. And the best way to see if people want it is just go and see if there's big followings for that topic elsewhere. Because you might be the first podcast in your space. That would be amazing. But there's already in-person groups for that sort of thing. There's online subreddits, Facebook groups. Then do that. Don't try and be, you know, the X of your niche. Don't try and copy somebody, replicate somebody. Just be completely authentic. Make sure the content is something that people genuinely want. No inspiring stories, please. And then just get started because for as long as you try and perfect it, there'll be somebody who's actually learning whilst doing. And I just think even if, and probably you get it wrong, because I don't think there's been a single human ever that has ever lived who's made every right decision in anything they've done. So to think podcasting is the thing that, okay, if I just wait another 12 months and, you know, I, I move this pixel to you know, this or graphic, two pixels to the right of my artwork. And maybe I do this font and then maybe I just do some research. Maybe I do 30 plan records before I release. Like, chance of you actually nailing it is still very, very slim because you don't know what you don't know. So make sure it's something people want and just get started with it. Kane Barron, thank you so much and happy International Podcasting Day to you for a few days time. And you. So where can people find out more about you and about Progressive Media Podcast Agency? Thank you very much for having me. So it's Kane Barron official on any socials or it's the podcasters podcast if you want to listen to that. If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a 
<clears throat> five star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review.